William Gladstone once said, it is my first principle of foreign policy, good government at home. Keep this in mind, as I discuss today, U.S. reaction to Russia and China strengthening their presence in the Arctic region. And what will that mean for the future economic and geopolitical landscape? My name is Dr. David Waralu, and you are watching Geopolitics in Conflict. Russia is in the middle of a massive construction drive to lay claim. For years, the Russian president has had a grand plan to become the biggest beneficiary of climate change in the Russia region. is giving the world a look at its new Arctic military base through an online virtual tour. Russia has amassed unprecedented military might in the Arctic. It has stationed soldiers, built air bases and deployed advanced weapons. NATO has done almost nothing. We're seeing increased international attention and focus on uh, the far north. The US, China and Russia all vowing for sway in the region. If you are watching this video, you know there are people out there who are less than honest about what's going on in the world. Do you want to know how to differentiate between the truth and lies? Check out our free PDF, Three Ways to Know If You Are Hearing the Truth or lives. You check it out at geopoliticsinconflict.com and start being in control of your own truth. I also want to thank those who have been supporting us on other platforms. It means a lot to us and we want you to know how much we appreciate your generosity. Now, let us jump into the issue of the Arctic region, which we don't hear much about it. So, and I'm going to start with a, a provocative question. <laughs> Is the Arctic the new Cold War front? Let us discuss. For over a decade, I was an international security analyst in Washington, D.C., and I witnessed a lot of changes taking place uh, when it comes to U.S. foreign policy. I gave presentations on geopolitical matters, and advised high-ranking military officers on issues pertaining to the Arctic. So the emergence of the tensions in the Arctic region is not new to me. That when I wrote my Russia book, I devoted an entire section to the Arctic, explaining how, sooner or later, a new Cold War will emerge in the Arctic region. And here is the thing. In a surprise move... Just two days ago, the United States recently announced the creation of an ambassador at large to the Arctic region. While Washington, D.C. Uh, says the objective of it is to intensify its diplomacy there, the truth says otherwise. And the truth is this. U.S. aim at challenging Russia and China as they strengthen their presence in the Arctic region with the emergence of waterways due to melting ice that, in my opinion, will facilitate access to the region. Just for you to know, the U.S. is one of the eight countries surrounding the Arctic, along with Canada, Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Norway, Russia, and Sweden. 
all of which are currently weighing for ownership of the frozen seas in the region. Many countries have already submitted official paper to the United Nations body demanding parts of the seabed in the vast Arctic region. I am not here to address the diplomatic aspects of the appointment. I am here to provide you behind-the-scenes insight that you will not get anywhere else. And I'll say this based on my years of research and analysis as a geopolitical analyst. As a result, placing this topic within the global context. And this is what I want you to get out of this video. So, why do many countries want to get a piece of the Arctic cake? You guys remember a couple years ago when a former President Trump made the international headlines in August 2019, if I'm not mistaken, when he expressed interest in buying Greenland, the world's largest island, by the way, which swings on the edges of the Arctic Ocean. But you and I know that Greenland is not for sale. And Trump, at that time, has made widely ridiculed. He was ridiculed for his diplomatic error. However, I wondered back then, and I asked, and I'm still asking, what could it be behind this unprecedented move? And whether it has anything to do with the growing U.S. interest in owning part of the Arctic. So this is what I am going to focus today's discussion on this topic while zooming at two main areas, of course, geopolitics and economics. So geopolitical aspects. The U.S. argued that Arctic is a region of peace, stability, prosperity, and cooperation. It is a fundamental strategic importance to the United States. I remain convinced that if the West, and Washington for that matter, wants to build cooperation or cooperative partnership, shall we say, with Russia, for example, the first step to do is to diagnose the cause of the alien relationship. Then you prescribe a cure. Scandinavian countries have responded anxiously to Russia's allocation of its naval assets in the Arctic. Russia has long sought economic and military dominance in its northern shores, a region that holds as much as $35 trillion worth of untapped oil and natural gas. Yeah, let that sink in. $35 trillion worth of untapped oil and natural gas. Even China, a nation with no territorial claim to the Arctic, has begun funding Arctic development projects. And I disclose this in my Russia book. It underscores the region's growing global importance. And this is what I want you to get. It's the global implication, the importance and the influence. And of course, with the ice melting, uh, which is impacting the areas and the world over, we should expect 
fierce competition soon. But of course, we can't talk about the Arctic without at least providing you a brief history into how all this came to be. So following the fall of the Soviet Union, Moscow paid little attention to the Arctic. During the 1990s, in the last century, the Russian Arctic was at best considered a burden fraught with socioeconomic challenges. However, following Putin's arrival to the helm of power in early 2000s, an Arctic revival began. The revival led Russia to start perceiving the region as a strategic area that could experience both cooperation and competition. Though Russia wants to make sure it asserts its influence as a great power over the Arctic. So given the, some say the climate change and, and the melting ice and so forth, and the security landscape, debates in the West about the future of the Arctic have been launched regardless of different viewpoints. These debates converge on one specific question. What is Russia and China up to in the Arctic? So today's reality has departed drastically from what uh, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, which by the way, he just passed away yesterday at age of 91 at a hospital in Moscow. So drastically from uh, Gorbachev's definition of the Arctic in his 1987 Murmansk speech as, and I quote here, as a zone of peace. The thinking has always been that the Arctic isn't an area of low political tensions between the East and the West. Today, that reality is different. That picture is different as dynamics in the Arctic are changing by the day. Similarly, gone is the era when the Arctic was off limits to military activities due to its harsh climate conditions. So as temperatures warm, ice melts across the globe is in full swing. Russia is giving the Arctic the same threat level it gives other regions like the Baltic states, the Balkans, and others. Basically, what Russia wants is to have full control over what happens and who operates near its northern borders. Do you recall when NATO, after the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991, expanded eastward all the way to Russia's doorsteps? So if I were to advise Russia, I will, uh, I will advise them to place strategic nuclear assets, especially around the Kola Peninsula. The, the deployment will do few things. One, it will serve as a second strike capability. And two, it is a convincing deterrent. Even uh, back in 2007, a debate followed Russia's planting of titanium, white, blue, and red tricolor flag on the seabed below the North Pole, claiming ownership. Since then, 
Russia has actively projected its dominance of the Arctic and has prevented any challenges to that status. Due to melting ice in the Arctic, Russia's dominance is displayed militarily now and commercially by joining with China. The Americans, they think that only themselves can alter the music and make the rules, as Sergei Lavrov, Russia's foreign minister, once told the St. Petersburg gathering. However, we cannot address geopolitical changes that await the Arctic region without addressing how the melting ice is contributing to that shift at an alarming speed. And this is why we decided to cover this topic for you so you have an understanding of what's going on even in the Arctic. Because what's going on there is going to end up trickling down to impact you and I. The fast melting ice has already brought about a debate in Russia, in China, in the West concerning the security threats. So in the case of Russia, because that's the one closest to the Arctic, wants to be ahead of what if. You guys remember when I always tell you to look for trend and always think of a scenario of what if? Russia has been doing that. What if scenarios so that Moscow can plan accordingly. So the issue is not limited to just security. Russia takes also maritime traffic through the Arctic seriously. And I predict personally, Russia will exert some form of oversight, similar to that of Iran in the Strait of Hormuz. Because here is the thing, as geopolitical analyst, failing to do so, Russia runs the risk of being unable to manage the inevitable competition over waterways and natural resources. And speaking of resources, Russia anticipates a fierce competition over the massive untapped oil and natural gas. Tensions are already increasing worldwide. Trade wars are escalating. And so are conflicts, Ukraine and the rest. But the thing about the Arctic is that the melting Arctic adds to the explosive cocktail. Russia, China, and the U.S. could well find themselves embroiled in another Cold War. These three superpowers have started a race to gain influence and control in the Arctic region. Because as I said, at stake are as much as $35 trillion worth of untapped oil and natural gas. Valuable minerals including gold, silver, diamond, copper, titanium, graphite, uranium, and invaluable rare earth minerals or elements that could soon be within reach as the ice recedes. So you can just see where things are headed. There is one major issue that looms large. If ice keeps melting at a faster rate, they will be a little use for submarines since their ability to hide beneath the ice will decrease substantially in this case. Thus, removing the element of surprise. And this outcome will certainly undermine Russia, the US, China, or any other country that has a, a base nuclear deterrence. 
Let me touch on the economic front. While Russia and China expand their relationship on many spheres of, 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 of areas, that is, they have significantly focused in the past few years on key aspects. One is energy. Two is military. Three is technology. I take special interest in China's energy focus to highlight how Beijing is financing projects in the Arctic. And it stems from the fact that China will benefit from investing in the energy infrastructure. What am I talking about here? I'm talking about pipelines, as the region estimated and tapped oil and natural gas once again, is about $35 trillion. So one thing is sure. China should benefit from joining Russia's Arctic efforts. The melting ice allows China to plan accordingly as it forges ahead with its One Belt, One Road initiative, BRI or OBOR initiative. And as a result, any shipping route in the Arctic are considered part of China's grand strategy. And by the way, just for you to know, Beijing's Arctic policy was first laid out in 2018. It was described uh, as near Arctic. That's how China described it. Because China visualized the future shipping routes, they are part of a potential new Polar Silk Road that will both be useful for resources exploitation and for enhancing Chinese security. Shipping goods to and from Europe by such a passage will shorten the distance to China by about 30% compared to present sea routes through the Malacca Straits, the Suez Canals, which is saving hundreds of thousands of dollars per voyage. So the Arctic has huge reserves of oil and gas. And the seabed beneath the Arctic Ocean contains an estimated 90 billion barrels of oil, the equivalent to about 13% of the world's undiscovered oil reserves, an estimated 30% of the planet's and tapped natural gas. And this is based on the U.S. statistics derived from the Energy Information Administration. And we will provide you a link for you to see this one. Those dynamics suggest that Russia, with the support of China, financial and otherwise, aim to change the global order at its core. China and Russia share a common vision of a multipolar world order after all. Here's my conclusion for you. One thing is sure, and is this. The Arctic to Russia is what Berlin was to the West. The great powers, competition, during the Cold War in Europe will now be replicated in the Arctic in the 21st century. But with China added to the contest. Today's question. Can the Arctic triggers a military conflict among major powers? I repeat, can the Arctic region triggers a military conflict among major powers? 
I look forward to reading your comments. Please just leave me a comment on the comment section and, and, and your answers, and I'll be happy to answer them. Let me share some key points about your answer to the question I asked last time. Will the U.S. go to war to protect the U.S. dollar when Saudi Arabia joined BRICS? So first of all, I want to say thank you for sharing your feedback and answer, answers, that is. Majority of you agree that the U.S. will go to war. Uh, there are those who said it might not be as easy, which I agree with. And I provide some examples here, like uh, uh, JF uh, uh, said, and I quote here, I don't believe the U.S. will be capable of sustaining any wars of military conflict in the near future, given their ever-growing loss of international support and the loss of their proxy conflicts in Ukraine. Yeah. One of our uh, subscribers also, Daniel Wong, uh, wrote, the question to your question is, is the U.S. strong and efficient enough to fight so many fronts when the American house of cards is collapsing? So those are just samples of some of the uh, response we received. And, and we want to say uh, and thank you and appreciate you for sharing your feedback and perspective. As I always say, we learn from this feedback. So thank you for that. As always, prepare yourself for a changing world order. Till next time. Bye-bye.